Hey there, friends, it's Nick, and this is episode 337 of the Story Hacker podcast. So this is the third and final part of our little series on how to read, if you've been following along. In the first episode, I talked about the books that I choose to read, the books that I choose to put down, where I choose to um, to put my attention, you know, whether I'm I'm reading for business or reading so that I can write, you know, the thrillers or what have you. In the second episode, I talked about how I have been for probably for 20, 30 years scribbling the notes in margins of books, um, pulling out things onto the front page, creating the index, putting putting those notes into a kind of a commonplace book, a book that is for me, if you like. And I talked about various ways, didn't I, for how you could do that. You can use index cards like Ryan Holiday. You could use a notebook. You could use an Evernote file, you could use Apple Notes, you could use an outliner, you know, all these different ways. And one of the, if you were listening with eagle ears, you'll have noticed that I didn't actually tell you what I do. And that's because over the past 20, 30 years, I've tried all these methods and frankly struggled with all of them. And this this comes to the crux of the reason for doing these, these episodes, actually. Because at the start, I said I, I, I very often use the podcast to kind of think about think around a problem that I've got and over the past couple of days I've been thinking about this because one of the issues is I mentioned this a a few episodes ago but one of the issues is for me that I certainly feel like I've I've invested hundreds of thousands of hours in reading maybe not hundreds of thousands but certainly tens of thousands of hours and it often feels like I don't have access to to even 1% of that information. Do you ever feel that way? And I think, you know, one of the problems that I talked about with reading is that we've gone into this mindset of where there's like this kind of arms race. We need to be seen to have read all these books. And when we read them, we put a check mark and we rush on to the next one. And part of the problem is that it never really gets integrated into our our ways of thinking, our kind of processes, our mental models of the world. And that's been, I think, a real struggle for me. I mean, I guess the, the one caveat to that is that when I reread last year, you may remember the podcast, when I reread last year the um, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance book by Robert M. Persig, I realised, you know, and it had been 30 years since I first read that one, I realised how many of that those ideas had actually percolated into my consciousness so you know things do they are there but actually when we're when we're really in need of accessing some of this information whether it's in a commonplace book or in an Evernote file or what have you it can be quite difficult to find not just because you you know you you have to search for it but also because it doesn't really it doesn't really come to mind you know, when you really need it. At least this has been my my experience. And this has been it's, it's been on my mind for a while. Because actually, what's the point of reading if you actually don't get any brighter, don't get any smarter, you don't get any more well prepared for things. So there's a couple of things I really want to say because they've made a difference to the way that I've interacted with books. Um the first one is is simply this when i've when i've found something an idea that i really think is powerful and interesting 
I will immediately try and apply it to my own life, try and find a place in my own life where it fits, where it makes sense of something. You know, so for example, when I first read Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, when it came out, and he was, he's talking in that book about the kind of heuristics and biases that, um, you know, the human mind is subject to, I began to, I began to try and apply them to, to my life and the life of people around me, because, because, you know, what Kahneman's work does is it helps us make sense of irrationality. Now I'm putting irrationality in air quotes that you can't see, because of course, if you take a step back and look at it from the sort of science and the psychological perspective, that kind of irrationality makes sense. It might not make sense to an economist, but it makes sense to us. Things like loss aversion, for example, we fear a loss of something more than we fear a gain. And I guess to take that simple example, if you, you know, if you go back in time, go back 100,000 years, the loss of something might kill you. The gain of something might make your life better, but it won't kill you. And, you know, we're all about <laughs> we're all about staying alive. Right. Anyway, I digress. So one of the first things I try and do now and it's come lately, I think, is really, yeah, try and integrate an idea into my life and figure out where it fits in my life. That can really help. The second thing that I'm doing, and this is in early stages, and I think probably later on in the year I'll do a whole series about this, but I'm, I've been creating a memory palace. Um, now, you might be familiar with this from the Hannibal Lecter books, Um I think, is it Hannibal where he first talks about the memory palace? Um, you might also have seen it in Sherlock and both these things, of course, are quite, um, <laughs> they're quite dramatised. But essentially, the idea behind a memory palace is that we take a space because our minds are incredibly good at um, visualising spaces or journeys and we attach memories to particular kind of points. Now, I'm, my memory palace is actually an island. But for example, one of the things I read relatively recently or reread relatively recently from um, poor Charlie's Almanac, which is a, a brilliant, brilliant book of Charlie Munger's spe speeches, Charlie Munger being the kind of the business partner of Warren Buffett, very bright man. But he talked at one point in that, um, that book about how ants are this incredibly incredibly clever kind of self-organizing species based on just a few rules and in some sense you have to see humans as descended from ants you know we're going up through evolution so now I already had on my island I've got this sort of um this sort of tableau of humanity coming out of the earth all right and you know the visual for that for me is the um this idea that that as we go up the body of the human it turns from a kind of ape into a, a human. And this is this is just an image to help remind me that whenever I'm dealing with people, I'm really dealing with millions of years of evolution. And one of the things that happened when I read that, you know, Charlie Munger's little comment on ants, which is really quite interesting, is quite insightful. He talks about ant behavior and what have you, is that now in that image, running around the bottom of the, 
of that human whose legs are actually, you know, an ape's legs, lots and lots of ants. Now this is sounding super, super weird to you. I know it is, I can feel it. I can feel the weirdness reflecting back on me <laughs> through the microphone. But I swear this has been a really interesting and useful exercise for me in terms of actually using the memory palace to access these kind of concepts. You know, so I've got um, spaces on this island that are to do with economics. I've got spaces that to do with psychology. I've got spaces to do with decision making and all these kind of things. And because they are geographic, they are places that I've worked out in my head. I can, you know, I can close my eyes and go there. I guess this is something to do with the the meditation, that kind of focus as well, maybe has got easier for me this year, but I can go there and I can see, oh, I'm looking at the statue. I can, you know, see the ants crawling around the bottom of the statue and it, it gives me that kind of association. And, you know, one of the things I've said that I'm going to be doing on this, um, this week's reading, this week without internet, is I'm going to be focusing on this sort of biological platform, the evolutionary platform that humans have, because I think it's a big, Right now, it's a big hole in my knowledge, and I'm going to build up that little part of the island uh, with information. Okay, so we're closing in on 10 minutes, and um, I feel like I've probably weirded you out enough now. <laughs> so I'm going to end this little series. Just a real quick reminder then, we talked about the books, how I select, how I kind of choose the books that I'm going to read and, or, you know, put down, uh, how I think about taking notes, and then also this integration piece both applying things to your life, seeing how they slot into your life and your experience, but also how I'm moving away from the kind of the, the commonplace book. Um, I'm still making those notes, but I'm, what I'm trying to do is create the model in my head. And that model is a world, and that world is in some sense a memory palace. And I'll do a series on that and how I did that at some point, probably in the, in the autumn. Anyway, thanks for listening and uh, remember, your story means business. Hey, this is Nick. Thanks again for listening. To dig deeper, search for story.business.